Entertainment, the podcast dedicated to public domain and abandoned media. I'm your host, Christopher, and the only thing I can't quit is my co-host, Lydia. (laughs) (laughs) That could be taken one of two ways, but this is not the Broke Bad Mountain Review, so we're good. (laughs) Moving on. Moving on. <laughs> How are you, Lydia? How are you? I'm well, Christopher. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing fantastic. I'm very excited to be here again with you this month. Me as well. I'm very excited to have our listeners with us. I'm very excited to have all our new group members on the Facebook yes. uh, group. We've had a huge purge. Apparently, our group became a recommended group in some other groups. Yay. And so we've had this fantastic uh, jump in membership. I think we added... 10, 15 members in a couple weeks. Yeah. I mean, just really amazing. So if any of those members turned into listeners, thank you. Welcome and thank you. If there's any new listeners, certainly I want to say welcome. And I do want to remind you and uh, anyone else who might be listening that you can subscribe to Orphan Entertainment by going to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, or Google Play, or any, you know, whatever podcatcher you have, I'm pretty sure you can find us there. You can also go to orphanentertainment.com and get the RSS feed right from there. And you can even listen to the podcast right from the webpage if that's the if that's your thing. Uh, as I mentioned, we do have a Facebook group with a lot of new members, and we've had some 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 decent posts and from a couple of different ones. I, I always love it when the, the members post something interesting. <laughs> Did you see the one? It was uh, someone posted something about the rocket ship that was used in... Um, Oh, what was the film that we reviewed a while back? Yes. <laughs> yes. I know the post you're talking about, and it was reused later on. That was really cool. <clears throat> yes. Post, uh, just Imagine. <laughs> yes. Just yes. Just Imagine was the film had a giant rocket ship uh, prop, I guess you would call it. And that rocket ship was then later used for the Flash Gordon yes, serials, which I it. had no idea. Very neat. Yeah, I thought that was cool. The theme's been playing on my MP3 player all week. So that, uh, Flash Gordon, by the way. <laughs> not, <laughs> not just imagine. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm, I'm glad. Um, well, I remember some of the music in Just Imagine was kind of fun, yeah. but I wouldn't. I don't know if I'd listen. To, I don't know if I'd have it on, uh, on, on shuffle or on my iPod or anything. <laughs> If anyone would like to send us any feedback, if you don't want to post in the group, if you want to send us any feedback, either MP3 or email, uh, send it to orphanentertainment at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. And I also should let you know that we have a YouTube channel where you can watch a lot of the films that we've covered here in Orphan Entertainment, including the one we're going to cover today. So I'll tell you what, let's go ahead and listen to a five-minute mystery, and we'll do a promo for another podcast, and then we'll be back to take a hit of Narcotic. Another five-minute mystery. Inspector Harris speaking. Yes? What? Gregory Thorndike murdered? Uh, what's the address? Yes? Yes, I'll be right over. Inspector Harris is here, gentlemen. Oh, yes, Oliver. Show him in. Uh, this way, sir. How do you do, Inspector Harris? Won't you come in? 
I'm James Thorndyke, and this is my cousin, Robert Latimer. How do you do? Hello. Mr. Thorndyke, the coroner tells me your father died of stabbing. That's right, Inspector. He'd been stabbed right through the heart. Who discovered the body? I did, sir. Yes, Oliver? It was around 8 this morning. I was taking up Mr. Thorndyke's breakfast, as I do every morning, and found poor Mr. Thorndyke with that uh, uh, knife sticking in him. I see. Who is the last one to see him alive? Well, I guess I am. I brought up Uncle's milk last night before I went to bed. What time was that? Uh, about a quarter to nine. And the coroner informs me he was killed about eleven. Where were you three last night at about eleven? At eleven? Why, um, I was at the movies. Did anyone see you there? No, not that I know of. Mm-hmm. Mr. Latimer? I'd gone to bed early last night, around nine. I slept right through the entire night until Oliver woke me this morning. Well, Oliver, where were you at eleven? I was taking a walk. I felt a little groggy and wanted to get some fresh air. I suppose no one saw you. I'm afraid not, Inspector. Well, this is swell. I've got three suspects and all have flimsy alibis. One of you is lying and I intend to... What's that? Oh, that must be my alarm clock. I said it last night before I went to bed. Pardon me, I'll be right back. What time is it, Mr. Thorndyke? Time? Uh, well, it's, it's ten, exactly ten o'clock. Thank you. I'm sorry, Inspector. I must have forgotten to turn off the alarm this morning when Oliver woke me. Yes, Latimer. And that forgetfulness is going to land you in the chair. Well, what do you mean? I mean that I'm arresting you for the murder of Gregory Thorndyke. How does the Inspector know that Robert Latimer is the murderer? In a moment, we'll give you the solution. But first... The Flashbulb Podcast. Three to ten minutes of fiction brought to you thrice weekly. From cosmic horrors to fisticuffs, fast cars, and smart mouths, we've got a chill for every spine. Find it all at flashpulp.com or search for it on iTunes. <laughs> and now, back to the inspector. Mr. Latimer, you said that you went to bed at nine last night and that you slept right through the entire night. But it's the truth. I am afraid you're wrong, Latimer. The alarm clock just proved that. If you had gone to bed at nine last night and set your alarm clock for ten, as you told me, it wouldn't have gone off at ten this morning, but at ten o'clock last night. Yes, Latimer, you murdered your uncle. And we'll soon get the story out of you at headquarters. everyone. Narcotic was released in 1933, and it was directed and produced by Dwayne Esper. Esper worked as a building contractor before switching to the film business in the mid-20s, and he actually did so because I think he actually either won or uh, I forget the, the, or the deal, but in, anyway, a, a small film studio p- pretty much fell in his lap. <laughs> <laughs> 
he produced and directed some inexpensive films with uh, titles such as Sex Maniac, Marijuana, and How to Undress in Front of Your Husband. <laughs> he often included scenes containing gratuitous nudity and violence that have led some to label him the father of modern exploitation. Now, Esper's wife, Hildegard Stady, I believe is how you pronounce it, uh, wrote many of the scripts for his films, including Narcotic. Uh, and this film is reportedly based on true events. She went on tour with a great uncle as a little girl when he worked the medicine show circuit selling the elixir Tiger Fat. And this film is supposedly considered to be an accurate and unexaggerated retelling of his life. Uh, Dwayne Esper would avoid the censors with all the uh, nudity and violence that we were talking about and the, you know, the Hayes Code, which was just uh, coming into play about this time. He would distribute the films by himself. And he'd often kind of use almost the uh, sideshow huckster method <laughs> in order to uh, get people into the theater. And he'd show the film for a week or two, and then he would just leave town in case that, if, if any trouble started up. <laughs> so that very sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah, very interesting, uh, interesting man. Uh, you know, he produced uh, another film that I think a lot of people might know more. He actually produced, uh, what was the one, uh, Reefer Madness. Yes. is a very popular kind of public domain drug film. Uh, he produced that one as well. Didn't write or direct it, but he did produce it, I believe. But yeah, he would often do these uh, these odd films, a little bit like the one we're talking about today, which in some cases is some sort of a, sort of a, a morality lesson, uh, or telling some story about the dangers of drug addiction or uh, sexual addiction or something. But he would, of course, do so by kind of throwing in other vices <laughs> in order to sell the picture. So interesting individual. I was a little surprised, actually, considering some of the films he did, that there wouldn't be kind of more information really kind of laying out there on the web for me to dig from. But most of what I found was just kind of one thing repeating in another and pretty much what in a nutshell what in a nutshell what I just told you. So I don't have any other information or any real background. Uh, even the, some of the actors that were in this film, not a lot of information on. Our, our star, I, what was his name? Harry. Harry Cording. Harry, Harry Cording, or Cording, was it? Cording. Yes, Harry Cording. He was just a character actor, usually playing the heavy, uh, you know, so, uh, usually a, like a bodyguard or a heavy or a, a bouncer or something. He appeared in a bunch of uh, Sherlock Holmes films, apparently in the 40s, uh, but uh, nothing of real serious note. So, so yeah, that's, that's all the information I've got. So we can kind of just jump right into the synopsis yeah, when you're ready. That does definitely makes sense because he looked familiar and that's sort of one of those things that I've seen a lot of and probably because my dad has shown me a lot is those kind of 1930s 1940s Sherlock Holmes serials so I kept thinking man this guy looks familiar it's probably from that yeah I had a I had the feeling that I'd probably seen him before I don't know if it was something from Sherlock Holmes but I was looking through his filmography and I know there's a few films that I've seen where he just had some some small role somewhere mm. where he was just the the big burly chauffeur or or, or the guy at the door at the bar kind yes. of thing. Yeah, the speakeasy. Yeah, yeah, he's been in loads, but always it seems as bit parts, except for this. 
So anyway, Narcotic from 1933. The film starts out with some title cards. And I have to admit, I got a little weirded out when this film began because the first few minutes of this film, you start thinking, wait a minute, is this a silent picture? (laughs) I did too. That's exactly (laughs) what I thought. Yeah, it was a little creepy. I was like, I, I, thought this, I thought there was, like, dialogue. What's going on? But the first title card that comes up says that this picture is presented in the hope that the public may become aware of the terrific struggle to rid the world of drug addiction. And that we sincerely dedicate this picture to those who have worked with unceasing effort and given freely of their time to the cause, the prevention of drug addiction. Sorry, if you hear paper paper wrestling, I apologize. I didn't want to try to write all this stuff out, so I actually just printed off screen captures. Well, after that, the first couple title cards, we go to a... It's a weird kind of edit here. It goes to a kind of a dark and stormy night, quite literally. (laughs) Yes. And a car swerving on a wet road. And then it cuts to uh, someone picking up a letter who was addressed from Will to Dwayne. And this letter says that it's 4 o'clock, dawn is here, the devil's trumpets are f- bellowing. You can take it out of the body, but you can't take it, but, but you can't get it out of the mind, but I have found a way. Oh, I'm sorry, this was to Dwayne from Will. So, yeah, uh, kind of a cryptic letter, which I'm baffled if I can find any reason for honestly through the rest of the film maybe <laughs> maybe you did I don't know I, I think this is a classic case of having an idea and then forgetting to follow through at the end of the movie <laughs> possibly possibly so anyway we get a couple more title cards uh, this is the astounding biography of Dr. William G. Davies with his captivating speeches from Wagon and Tent, he made his notorious cure-all, Tiger Fat, one of the best known of all quack medicine names. These facts are presented to you not as a romantic story, but as the actual case history of one of the millions of narcotic addicts. The archives of the United States government and musty newspaper files reveal his neurotic intrigues. After the title cards, we get some postcard. <laughs> we get some postcard images <laughs> of what I'm guessing that must be supposedly a medal, supposed to be a medical school of some kind. And these fade to uh, two men arm wrestling. And after one bests the other, we meet the focus of the film, William Davies. Gentlemen, you have just witnessed an exhibition. The physical prowess of America's foremost medical student. The future, Dr. William G. Davis. Is not a strong mind more important than a strong arm? With that physique, plus his mentality, Davis should go far in the profession. Go far? Why, I intend to have the name of Davis placed along with Hippocrates, Galen, Harvey, and Buster. <laughs> More probably with Mesmer and Cagliostro. And is this, is it correct that this is the first kind of sound, like speech that you hear? In the, we've been through several minutes already and finally somebody's actually speaking. Yeah, no, we get we get a lot of music for like the good yes. first three, four minutes of the film. And like I said, it almost gives, you think you're watching a silent picture yes. or something with all the title cards and the music. Yes. 
and then yes finally we do get speech <laughs> we actually get dialogue <laughs> and i do think it is like five minutes into the film yeah. it feels like it anyway yes <laughs> And I will mention, and you may have, I'm not exactly sure how far I'm going to take the clip that I, <laughs> as we record. So you may or may not have heard, and you're definitely going to hear some later, some very unfortunate uh, yellow face acting. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it's it's that was, distracting. The accent yes. of Jiwoo is so bad, it's actually distracting. It's hard yes. to understand what he's saying because his accent is all over the place. You get a little Russian R roll, you get a little bit of Chinese strange grammar, and then you have just what, where, what is that? Is that German? Is that, what, are you Irish? <laughs> what are you, what is this accent you're supposed to be doing? It's so confusing. Uh, it's, whatever it is, it's cringeworthy. It is awful. Yeah. And this scene with Ji Woo spouting the Confucius aphorisms after another, you know, just one after another, and uh, turning the conversation to opium, it, it's an odd scene. It and is. I, and it doesn't, someone makes some comment, and he's like, oh, but of course you, oh, I'm, not, I'm sorry, I was, I was getting ready to go no, into I, his. <laughs> it's hard not to. I. It is hard not to. I was to, telling but, myself I, I need to not. <laughs> So someone makes some reference to something about going up and smoke, and then he's like, oh, but of course you mean opium. I'm like, well, no, I don't know if that's what he meant. Yes! But <laughs> It's all of a sudden, oh, you're talking about opium. Oh, wait, we, we are? Oh, okay, yeah. I guess we are now. Yeah, <laughs> you, yeah. Okay. I, I honestly have no good way to describe this scene, and I, I really didn't want to play like a good five-minute clip. So yeah, because it's just too hard to follow. And, it is. And it's exposition, it's it's... I think the worst case I've seen of setting a precedent for a film mm -hmm. that they're just obviously like from the very first line, gentlemen, you have just seen the amazing specimen of a physique. And it doesn't show him until you see just his, you know, they're like, oh, his amazing physique. And it's just like, you know, dude's chest. But not actually that amazing, especially not by today's standards. No, and I'm <laughs> Sorry. still, and, I, and I'm also not convinced it's actually uh, Cording's body either. Uh, yeah, I think probably it's just some, not. It's just some young college kid, yeah, maybe exactly. or something. Exactly, and uh, it, it, but it's like, oh, they make such a point of pointing out that here's this brilliant, super fit guy, and oh, and oh, by the way, this movie's about opium. <laughs> yes. Oh, uh, okay. All right. Yes. And, oh, and, and, and a promising medical student. That's <laughs> that's thrown in there, too. Yes. We also learn, according to Ji Woo, that Orientals indulge in opium, but they can handle it. Westerners can't. <laughs> they, uh, there's just so much wrong with this scene. <laughs> there's just uh, so much. Yes. And, so, um, and it's, okay. I, uh, sorry, I, I just, it is worth pointing out that Ji Woo is played by um, J. Stewart Blackton Jr. You may notice not an Asian sounding name, not an no, Asian looking no. dude. Uh, in fact, it's, it's bad. It's so bad. It's so many levels of bad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're just, I guess yeah. I should stop pointing out yes. how bad it is. <laughs> yeah, we'll get more opportunities later. Uh, Hey, I remember the car that was swerving on the road? Yeah, we go back to that now. <laughs> I was so confused. There's so many swerving cars in this movie that when I first watched it, I really didn't understand what was going on. I thought the car at the very beginning was driving as fast as it could to get to an arm wrestling match. Doesn't Turns out <laughs> yeah. that's not the case, by the way, guys. <laughs> Apparently not. 
The car is racing along. He's being chased by a motorcycle cop, and he eventually kind of shakes the cop by racing and barely avoiding a train at a crossing. It swerves wildly and strikes a horse-drawn wagon before rolling down an embankment. A woman from the wagon is injured and taken to the hospital, where we learn that she was pregnant. She dies, unfortunately. Her skull was crushed in, they say. Yeah, we see her and, fly off of the uh, off of the wagon, but it wasn't mm-hmm. really clear when she flies off that it's a woman. Yeah, or that she's pregnant, but apparently she was. Yes. I kind of got a kick out of that. You see the, the husband go to her, and again, this feels like a silent film, even the way the husband yes. acts. He's he's very, he's, he's kind of acting to the back row yes. with all his with all his expressions and the way he moves. The gestures. Yes, and the, the woman does not look pregnant whatsoever. <laughs> but but by the time we get to the hospital, she is. And she was just getting ready to be, uh, how do they put it? They I think they actually used the word committed or something like that. Hold, hold but, on, I got it. Oh, they say she's going into confinement. If confinement. You, anybody listening, if you don't know what confinement is, confinement is a period of time from when the woman begins to show her pregnancy until she gives birth because it wasn't considered polite society, especially before the 30s, for a pregnant woman to be out in uh, society. Oh, okay. Uh, we see a couple of do- doctors discussing this, and they spout some words, some doctor-type words, and, oh, my gosh, what? And they go back into the 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 operating theater and we're treated to some stock footage of a cesarean birth uh which i'm really fortunate i'm glad that this was black and white after seeing this i i thought it was fake it looked fake to me now apparently uh, everything i read that's actual stock footage of of a cesarean birth and guys it is horrifying (laughs) i I thought it was fake and it's still horrifying yes uh, apparently this is uh dr davies who's doing this uh, cesarean and he saves the child so sometime later, and there's going to be a lot of sometime laters or next days or time skips in this film. Yes. And you have no idea how much time has passed, whether it is days, months, years. Decades. Decades. <laughs> you really you have no idea. Yeah, I, I concur, Doctor. There is no way of knowing how long it's been between any break in this film. No. So sometime later, we see that Davis has set up a practice of his own and he's gotten engaged. And we see a montage of him helping patients. He's apparently doing a lot of this work for free because uh, he's apparently having some hard time paying the bills. And he's even unable to buy his uh, fiance, I guess, a, uh, a new gold locket that he wants to buy. Aww. Well, Davis, uh, working uh, late into the night, here's a knock on his door. Gee Woo has stopped by to visit. I'm so happy to see Yay. him. Uh, <laughs> the two sit down to talk, and Ji Woo picks up on Davis being troubled. Davis tries to brush it off and suggests that they go out to some of Ji Woo's native brew, which is tea. It's tea, yeah. <laughs> the The dialogue in this is even the uh, the the, the not in yellow face actors. The dialogue is so stilted it's and forced, so stiff. It's really it, there are moments where you actually think somebody's going to act in this film. <laughs> and then, no, they don't. No. <laughs> not, not actually, no. <laughs> At the tea house, Davis uh, still won't say what's really bothering him. Uh, so Ji Woo suggests that Davis might need a diversion. 
So Jiwoo takes Davis to an opium den, and the two share a smoke. Because that's what you do when your friend doesn't want to talk about something. You take him to an opium den, right? Especially, especially when, when you're in medical school, you mention how, you know, you Westerners can't handle this stuff. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, there's, there, yeah, there's a, <laughs> there's such a disconnect here. Yes. <laughs> And we do get a very almost excruciatingly detailed uh, preparation of the opium pipe. This is a how-to this. video. This is, yeah, it is. It, it's it kind really of a is. how-to movie. Well, time goes by, and the money situation doesn't improve, and Davis con- Davies consen- uh, continues to visit the opium den. And then, um, again, time has passed. Uh, Davis kind of kind of bounds into the office at, and at some point announces to his, to his fiancée that they should get married right away. Because apparently he has some great idea. Did you stop at the clinic? Yes. Darling, I've been doing a great deal of thinking and decided we should be married right away. I feel good too. Mrs. Wilkins just made the last payment on her baby. I mean it, dear. I have an idea that will make us a fortune. And what is this idea that's to bring the world to your feet? Ah, you wait and see. Dr. Davis is more remarkable than you think. This scene ends with a shot of the Hippocratic Oath uh, for doctors, and that fades to Davies studying a book on plants of the Orient. Dun-dun-dun. Another late night ends in another night at the opium den, where we see several people smoking and passed out, men and women. Davis wakes up to find it's morning and walks home. At least I think that's what happened. And I think at this point is when, you know, his wife, now they're married, by the way, apparently, because they wouldn't be living together if they weren't married because this is 1933. Yes, good point. (laughs) Uh, And she says, oh, you you won't be out. Or she says, oh, don't forget your your cloak or your coat. I I had trouble catching it. Your bag. I think she's like, oh, you forgot your bag. He's like, oh, I won't need it. Uh, I thought maybe she said cape. I was so confused about what she said. But I knew she said you forgot something. And he said, Mm -hmm. well, I don't need it. And she said, so you won't be out late? And he goes... No. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's like this kind of like nasty reply. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and then that so that that's the impression I got is that he goes out that night, goes to the opium den, and ends up passing out and sleeping till morning. Yes, me as well. We don't find out if that's actually what happened, but that's what appears to happen. But along the way home, he passes a street salesman hawking gummy gooey. Gentlemen, just step right in close. All right, let the little fellow in. All right, that's... Now, ladies and gentlemen, let me demonstrate to you once more this marvelous article. Step right up, folks, and I'll show you the secret. Now, first, you smear a little on the broken article like that. Then you push the two pieces together like that. There you are. Look at that. Gummy gooey, the sticky mooey that is guaranteed to stick anything together from the crystal of your watch to your mother-in-law's mouth. And again, I repeat, it doesn't take any secrets. There's no secret to it at all. It doesn't take you, and it doesn't take me. All it takes it, is the how, knowing how to do it. Now, it means bottles, dishes, furniture, broken friendships, and broken hearts. Now, step right up, folks. And the secret of gooey mooey is yours for the sum of one quarter. Just think of it, ladies and gentlemen, one fourth of a dollar, 25 cents. Think of it. Well, this starts the gears turning in Davis, Davies' head. I keep saying Davis. I think I wrote down in my notes that it was Davis, but apparently it's Davies. You so know, excuse okay. me if I go back and forth. It says William G. Davis, and then underneath it says Mrs. Davies. 
So mm. I think they couldn't even decide. <laughs> okay, so I think I'm going to stop trying to correct myself, and I'm just going to say Davis because that's what I've got in my think, notes. Yeah, it's going to be easier. Yeah, that's what I have it as. <laughs> okay. So Davis returns home, or this might be another day, not sure, and the, the wife begs him not to do anything else tonight, but uh, he sends her off to bed saying he has work to do. And we see a clip of her researching narcotic addiction. Because <laughs> that's what I do. When my husband comes home late, I automatically go to the book about narcotic addiction. I mean. <laughs> well, this is, I guess, shortcut that she knows that now he's got a problem. But you don't see her kind of glom on to that fact up to to this point in any way it, so it just kind of comes out of nowhere yeah and the timeline is so confusing as you mentioned we don't know if this is the same day or if this has been happening every day for three months i mean it could have been and now she's picking up on it or it could just be one day he comes home late and she decides he's a drug addict <laughs> yeah depends on your family i guess <laughs> but in this book she's reading she sees the phrase and focuses on it even pointing it out with her finger force you can take it out of the body but not out of the mind and un the clip unfortunately actually cuts really quick but you get the impression that she like reads that and gets very upset at it you see her kind of like fling her head down onto the book to cry but the scene fades too quickly there's a lot of strange you have to be cuts you have this. to be really paying attention to even catch it yeah there's a lot of jumping and, and cutting and, mm -hmm. and clips it is aren't. unfortunately yes yeah. well davis's office the uh police bring in an unconscious man davis examines him but he's dead the police go through the man's pocket and finds forty dollars forty bucks and this flea bitten dopehead starving to death well, if it ain't his, he's a honest fellow, all right. Hmm. Honest. You don't know anything about these snowbirds. They're all thieves. When they get hooked, they have no feeling to eat. The only dough they spend is on the stuff. And it's worth bringing up, probably, that a gold locket costs 10 bucks. So to find $40 in this guy's pocket, that's a lot of money. Oh, that is a lot of money. Exactly. I was thinking the same thing. We finally hear from Davis his big idea. Oh, hello there. What are you doing? I've worked out a new formula, an idea that's going to bring big results. Selling medicine by demonstration. How does that sound to you? You mean to talk on medicine to an audience of people and then let them buy it? Right. But, Will, that would not be ethical. Well, supposing the profession does look at it that way. They are still using the oath of Hippocrates as the basis for our modern medical ethics. Yet, it came into use in the 5th century B.C. I can't see anything wrong if my preparation has merit. Take Dr. Kane. He has a good family remedy and could sell much more by bringing it before the public direct. Selling medicine like a common huckster? It can be done in a dignified manner. Think, dear, the good I'll be doing. Solving health problems in a simple way. Well, perhaps your plan is all right. So we see Davis rehearsing his pitch and him actually selling his new product, Wang Fang, the medical cure. And then it abruptly cuts to the uh, wife confronting Davis about his opium use. And then cuts to her along with Ji Wu consulting. Actually, I thought it was a doctor, but I only I realized on a... a a quick go through again that this was actually a narcotic agent. He's a narc, yeah. <laughs> they go yeah. to they go from him being out late to him 
hawking fake meds right to a narc <laughs> yeah it's a yeah, little so, confusing so jiwoo jiwoo and his and and davis's mrs dave this or davies is consulting a narcotic agent about her husband's drug use uh this guy gives a brief description of a couple types of uh, addicts one is someone who's i think looking for a thrill and another one who is like a a coward and he's using the drugs to gain the courage that he might not naturally possess. And he says that finding a cure is a major problem in this nation. And this is such a weird moment, too, because, again, you have these weird disconnects where, they, you know, he says, oh, you know, drug addiction is a horrible thing, to which I think Ji Woo says, oh, but Dr. Davis is a, a really, you know, solid guy. He's got more determination than most people. And then Mrs. Davis says, oh, yeah, he's got way more determination than most people. It's like, well, then why are you sitting here? <laughs> I'm yes. so confused. It's like, why? Well, the, even the narcotic officer goes, well, then here may be ch- there may be hope for him. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I find it annoying that the whole time that Ji Woo is here, you know, worried about his friend's drug addiction, I'm thinking, you gave it to I, him. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think about that, but I did think it was a little strange that he was there randomly at the at the federal narcotics agency yes because what are they doing are they trying to have the doctor arrested are they what what are they doing here i, I don't know that's only... why i thought this was a doctor i thought maybe they're trying to consult yes. him and seeing how they can help her their husband but it's kind of like more like getting advice of, okay so what are we looking at 10 to 10 to 15 yeah. or yeah exactly and this is the second Part that really jumped out at me in addition to when they first introduced the doctor where it's like they had to have some exposition thrown in and they were like well how can we do this without a like and, and they were it's almost like they had a clip of this guy talking in his office and they were mm-hmm. like oh yeah let's incorporate that we'll have them sitting and talking <laughs> to him and you're like is this it, it, it came out of some film they show in high yes, school yeah. <laughs> exactly because i don't know that they even i could be mistaken but i don't know that they even show him in the same shot with Mrs. <laughs> Davis and Ji Woo. I, it could be a complete dead men don't wear plaid thing. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. When the scene, Ji Woo gives us kind of a, um, not exactly accurate, but a history of China's his, kind of history with opium and his opinion on the matter. He says the greatest ally of drugs is ignorance. And uh, the doctor agrees that education of the dangers of drugs is the best solution. And the only cure is the will to be cured. All right. So, yes, it all feels very much like some sort of uh, blood on the highway. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yes. (laughs) Well, back at the Davis home, which uh, he has gone full Asian on the uh, decor. (laughs) <laughs> His living room looks like a uh, like a bad Chinese restaurant. But they have everything he, they need. <laughs> yes, right. He pulled, including his own opium pipe and stash there. <laughs> yes. I'm sorry to disturb you. Are we not successful? We have everything we need. In this little diversion, I find nothing else but rest. A man of your standard should know better. I have nothing more to say. I can take care of myself. Can you? She's awful. Ugh. I just her her acting is is some of the worst. Yes. I I can I can take care of myself. 
Can you? Can you? Like, really? Well, this is enough for Davis to finally stop and think about what it is that he's doing. And after a deep contemplation, he tosses his pipe into a fire. This is actually... It's kind of one of these weird things where this film, despite all the stuff we're ragging on it, this actual shot of him sitting in a room that you know, is completely black behind him. Yes. And the camera is shooting through the flames mm-hmm. at him yeah. while he's having this thought. And then he reaches up and puts the pipe into the flame. That's actually not a bad shot. No. And it actually conveys what it needs to convey. It's like, well, okay, where did that come from? Yeah, they have, I think there are two moments like that in this movie. And one of them is right at the end. And the other mm. one is right now where yeah. you know that somebody put some real thought into this moment. And you really wish they put some of that thought into the rest of the movie, too. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, Davis checks into rehab and gets himself clean. And he begins again, opens a new clinic where he gets an emergency call. And downstairs, as he gets a cab, he uh, he go, he sets down his medical bag and then runs back to get something else. Uh, I don't know exactly what he did. He kissed his wife goodbye. Ah, oh, that must be it. It must have been it. <laughs> as it turns out, this cabbie is an addict whose cellar didn't come through. Well, he spies the bag and grabs a vial from it. Davis returns after the cabbie uh, puts the bag back, and they speed it off. The cabbie downs the vial and starts speeding through the streets. <laughs> this is another one of those scenes that you're like, what? he didn't notice? <laughs> like, he's just, he's riding in the back of this cabbie who literally has his head thrown all the way back, just dumping this vial into his mouth. And <laughs> yes. Davis doesn't notice? He didn't, nope, you know. Not. And maybe he does, and maybe he's banging on the window trying to get out but you don't see any of that you just see it's so strange it's just strange is the word the driver passes out and he runs headlong into a train davis is seriously injured and taken to a local hospital where the attending physician mentions to a nurse that well he's going to be in a lot of pain put him on opium (laughs) and and see okay i'm glad you clarified because i actually thought it was his wife and both times I watched it, I thought it was his wife because they don't show real clearly. And I thought, nope. didn't she think any better of that? It was just another another nurse. But yeah, this physician very nonchalantly, yes, oh, he's going to be in a lot of pain. You better keep him on opium for a while. <laughs> so sometime later again, Davis is again hooked on drugs. And he argues with the wife. And she finally has had enough. So yes, in a sort of very odd and brief scene, she says, I guess, that she's going to leave him. So we next see Davis managing a carnival sideshow tent and selling his miracle cure. There's some stuff that goes on, but I'm going to kind of skip it because um, it's not real important other than highlighting uh, than what sort of man Davis has become, which is a bit of a swindler. Uh, there's that whole scene with him and uh, a couple, I guess, some cronies that he's got hired or something in the tent, and I don't know what it means, but... It happens. <laughs> I have some theories about it. Uh, he obviously yeah. has some plants in the audience so that, that they're pretending have been healed by this stuff. And so he's getting other people interested in it. And we find out later he's making a lot of money from this. Right. Well, all that's important and everything. But more importantly, we have a dope party to attend. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is uh, pretty awesome. And I got a couple more. Let's see. 
the movie breaks in with another couple uh, title cards, and this is an editor's note. Very few people other than professional investigators have ever really witnessed a quote-unquote dope party. (laughs) Doctors, government agencies, and quote-unquote victims have given freely of their time and efforts in the hope that this widespread and horrible practice may be forever eradicated from our civilization. The weird and revolting behavior of addicts while under the sinister influence of drugs is authentically presented throughout this picture. So you know what you're in for. Yeah. <laughs> These title cards, it it feels like they made a movie and then somebody said, you can't put that movie out. It It's glorifying drugs and it's depressing. And so they said, oh, well, we'll pretend that it's to prevent people from taking drugs yeah and they threw in these title cards and they threw in this interview with this random guy and then they were like okay there we go now it's a movie against drugs (laughs) it's like this exactly this reminds me to get off track a little bit this reminds me of uh in the what i guess 80s when they were like the gi joe cartoons yes there was there was a rule that cartoons had to be educational yes there had to be some point so Hasbro or whoever it was that was was I think they were the toy market. I don't know if they were producing the cartoon. I don't remember, but they would throw in at the end of the episode. There was the whole uh, knowing is half uh, the battle. <laughs> yeah, exactly, Billy. Don't cross the street. You know, don't jaywalk because you can. Oh, thanks, GI Joe. <laughs> that was thrown in there so they could sell the cartoon as being educational. Yes. And that's exactly you're right. And that's exactly what these title cards just are. Like it, yeah. Well, at this dope party, I definitely want to get to this dope party yeah. here. A group of well-dressed people, all in their, you know, in their finest, arrive at what looks like a pretty swanky hotel room. I brought some little pepper There's going to be nothing left. Hi, Jilos. We're going to get lit. Lena here will be leaping all over the place. It takes a needle for me to get a bang. <laughs> Listen to that, will you? Why, one sniff and this twist will be picked up like a million. <laughs> we are going to get lit. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Wow. So once again, we are, we are shown that there is nothing new in the world. I had no idea that that phrase goes back yeah. to the 30s oh yeah at least there's so much about this well i learned i guess i can save my what did you learn from this film for the end when we we're rating it <laughs> but i love that this is not just a dope party like it's not what we would think of like from the 80s as a dope party where they're there to do dope or however you do dope i don't know anything about it but I, well i know a lot now that i've seen this movie but <laughs> yeah. but they don't just have one kind of drug they have marijuana cigarettes as they say they have marijuana cigarettes they have opium they have heroin they have speed they've got speed like this is like a buffet of drugs here Uh it's like they were like let's get every drug we can find and put it on a tray and show people how to use it (laughs) yeah pretty much one of the women that is attending this thing hikes hikes up her dress to show off her new silk underwear. Yes, and I, I, what does she it's what does she say next to nature? I think is what she says. I don't know. She says- I couldn't make it out. She's like next to nature. If you follow me, and one of the men say, "Baby, I'm way ahead of you." Way ahead of you. <laughs> and what was the, the the other guy who says, "Hey, uh, when you get the 39th, um, let me off. Yeah, let me get <laughs> That's off. Horrible, or something like that. Yeah, it's obviously like you know we have phrases for it. I feel like we should put a disclaimer at the beginning of this episode. 
episode now. <laughs> There's going to be explicit drug discussions and sexual commentary. But it, There's it, serious innuendo. It really, yeah. <laughs> it really is extremely risque. I mean, here's this yes. girl showing off. If it's not her drawers, it is her slip, which is, of course, you would never do. And then, mm-hmm. it, you know, as we go on through this, at one point you've got the oh, major code break. You've got a guy and a girl on the same sofa with their feet up massive Mm -hmm. massive (laughs) not okay and he actually i think at one point kind of gropes her a bit i believe so yes and so this is just this is a free-for-all uh uh, like and they they go through and say well what do you have and they each order something different (laughs) yes it's it's bizarre and you know the innuendos and stuff don't really i mean you're talking about how uh, i mean you don't see a lot that goes on but you definitely get hints and i think even davis after you know he he's checking out this girl hiking up her skirt and he's you know eye in her legs and everything he's like please let's not get vulgar yes yes (laughs) which definitely gives the impression that there uh, there could be an orgy breaking out at any moment you (laughs) know and as you go on the way that these women talk and it's three women and three guys including the doctor Mm -hmm. and just their vernacular indicates they're not classy ladies uh, no. They probably, as the scene moves on, you, I've decided they're probably prostitutes. Ooh, interesting. I didn't think of oh, that. Yeah, definitely. And there, I have some indicators later on I can share no. with you. Not not that they're secret. <laughs> it's just later yeah. on in the movie there <laughs> okay. are some things. Well, I got to tell you what. Uh, you know, we're subjected, to, and you mentioned this, to about every name for every drug that you can imagine yeah. that's on this tray. Yeah, I almost wanted to play the whole thing, but it'd be like 20 minutes. I mean, I'm not going to. I'm going to say this. It all happens about the 35, 36 minute mark. If you do nothing else, skip ahead and watch the dope party. (laughs) And see it for yourself. <laughs> it's. I love that they mention like the the vulgar and bizarre actions of people that are on drugs, and then we do see people sniffing, we see people lighting up, and we see somebody shooting at one point. Which, mm-hmm. if you don't know what that means, you guys should just not be listening to this episode. Trust me. Uh, and, and it's blows my mind. And you know, I had a conversation. I don't know if it was you that I was talking to about it, and. I don't know if they're actually showing people doing actual drugs here. I assume they are. I guess most of me assumes that they're not, but there's also part of me that thinking, yeah, but why wouldn't they? Maybe they are. In, I I don't know. Yeah, in the 30s, I, I mean, this is, as you mentioned, it's a guy kind of known for his inappropriate things on film. And what it actually feels like is that they had a dope party and they were like, hey, let's film this. And then afterwards, they were like, oh, we could totally make this into a movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Say, we got the cameras. Everyone's here. Why yeah. not? I mean, that it, it. there's so much of the scene. And it's so involved down to the method of the preparation of the drugs that they just show. Sure, they do. That it really almost feels, actually, it doesn't almost feel like. It feels like they were like, hey, let's video a dope party obviously not video let's film a dope party and then when they went back and watched it they were like oh yeah we could totally make this into a movie but the only thing that i would say kind of would be an argument against that is the fact that they go to great lengths to kind of show you the different types of people or how they react to and it's, this could easily have just yes. easily been alcohol too yes I but agree. you've got the, the guy that gets all paranoid he's yes. at the door he's pe- <laughs> looking through the keyhole there's you think there's someone out there 
Uh, you got the one woman that just will not shut up <laughs> yes. and just keeps telling stories and just keeps talking. And you got another couple that get all, like you were frisky. saying, that get get very <laughs> frisky with one another. Um, and then, I think Davis starts kind of getting very uh, verbose and aha and I and kind of pontificating. About his money. And, yeah, and, yeah then, exactly. and then you the worst kind of drug addict, absolutely, hands down, the very worst is the dude that starts doing the bad poetry. Like, come yes. on. <laughs> no, but you do. You've got a guy doing poetry and you got a girl that can't stop laughing. And it, oh, yes, the giggler. Yes. yes. I forgot about her. And and you, I think you're right in that the results of this shot are intended to show how people react when they're on drugs, mm-hmm. uh, at least in the 1930s. I don't know how they react now, but um, <laughs> I, things have changed. But I think you're right that that was really the intent is, hey, if you're out with people and they're acting like this, they might be narcotic addicts. Yes, until until and you just gotta watch out because they they might get the ding. Yeah, they might get the ding, whatever that is. I don't even know what the ding is, but I don't want it. So I don't know. Someone got the ding, and they actually physically, you actually actually audibly hear a ding. I don't know why. Is that what that was? I didn't really understand a lot of what was going on then. I'm guessing the ding is where you you finally had enough, and you it's you a bad pass trip. out. Oh, or see, a bad trip. Or a bad trip. Or, yeah, I could see yeah. that. Because, yeah, it's the laughing girl, I think, and then she's great, and she's great, and then all of a sudden it just flips, and she's very unhappy. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's bizarre. Yes. Needless Um, to say, I've never been to a dope party, so... (laughs) Nor have I. Yeah. Nor have I. Certainly not of this type. Well, well, that sounds bad. I haven't. (laughs) (laughs) Dad, cover your ears and hum. No, (laughs) I'm kidding. Uh, yeah, but actually, that's where I actually finish my synopsis because that's about. Uh, I mean, it's only the film's only about an hour long. That's actually about the like. What did I say? It started about the thirty-six yeah. minute mark. So by the time like it stops, minutes. it's almost forty-five. Yeah. You know, forty-five minutes or fifty. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And what you see left is is really kind of what you expect to see uh, with a with a film that's supposedly telling you the you know the why you shouldn't do drugs is obviously. Davies Davis's life spins out of control, et cetera, et cetera. I guess it's what you're supposed to sell. I mean, you're not supposed to glorify it. It, it claimed to not be glorifying it, and I don't think it does. No, um, not I, I definitely, definitely the ending. Everything up to the end, uh, everything up to the ending, you could say does glorify it with the exception of throwing in the the, the title cards and everything. But yeah. the ending definitely kind of hits it home that says. Drugs are not a good thing. Yeah, definitely. Well, and it's it's a bit of a tragic story. You do have this guy that at some point decides, you know, this is bad. This is going to ruin my life. I'm gonna I'm gonna give it up. And then by no fault of his own, I felt like it was kind of unfair. All of a yes. sudden, he's in this car accident, and they've got him back on opium. You know, it mm-hmm. it was a it's not something you would expect to see in today's films for sure. Well, I don't know because it's interesting because what I found interesting about this film being that it's 1933 it was so long ago (laughs) Mm -hmm. is that i mean nowadays it's we do have a pretty serious uh, opioid problem 
And a lot of it has to do with doctors just wildly prescribing uh, opioids to handle pain. Ah, see, now, and I didn't know that this is what I learned from this movie, Boys and Girls. Uh, one of the things I learned was that heroin is an opioid. I didn't know that. I, mm-hmm. I know, like, nothing about drugs at all, guys. So I uh, was really surprised when it mentions that in one of the title cards. Or no, no, in a newspaper clipping. It When the yes. doctor's in his accident, it mentions heroin being an opioid or a product of opium production. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I I didn't realize that was something that could lead to a heroin addiction. I had no idea that you could get, you know, treated and then have opium in the hospital. And then, you know, you could, I don't even want to get into it. This is not about drugs, guys. <laughs> My point being, I didn't know that it was a derivative of opium. So it was interesting to learn that that actually could be a problem, that it could cause that problem. So it's it's weird. It is a movie that you learn a lot, but some of what you learn isn't really what you want to be learning, like how to cook heroin yeah. or, you know, or how yeah. to prepare that's, an opium pipe. Don't need to yeah, know that's, that. That's the weirdest part. It is supposedly this tale about how terrible drugs will you know destroy your life but we're gonna go to great lengths to show you how to do it yes exactly it's it's what makes it so bizarre yes and and that is exactly it if they had showed them shown them taking drugs but not how to prepare it i wouldn't question it but it's so in depth on how to prepare it it really is like a how-to instruction video uh, it's, it feels like you're sitting at your first job and they're showing you a safety video, <laughs> but yes. it's not a safety video. So, uh, you know, this is one of those that I'd probably say, guys, don't show your kids. You don't really want them to have this level of knowledge about drugs. No, no, I don't <laughs> think so. Yeah, it was an interesting one. I mean, I was just kind of curious to see. I haven't watched any of the, the, the 1930. I never watched Reefer Madness. I, uh, yeah. I, I've heard a little bit about it. Uh, I didn't know anything about these types of films. I knew they existed, but so I thought it was it'd be interesting to watch and see how 1930s dealt with the opioid crisis at the time, mm-hmm. and which unfortunately it continues to this day. Yeah. You know, so they did they didn't solve anything no. with movies like this. <laughs> well, and and when we were discussing this film, you know, we kind of take a look at at movies and the synopsis and say, hey, this looks like one we might enjoy talking about. And when we were discussing it, it talks about this guy that has to struggle with a drug addiction. And it's not what I expected from that description. Uh, Mm. I expected it to be more a character movie about a guy who is struggling with something, not a a chronology of a guy in and out of drug addiction and then, you know, ruining his life. And, oh, by the way, uh, this... Here's the title card saying this is bad, and here's a how-to video on how to do drugs. Yeah. It's very, very uh, out of left field. Yeah, and it's honestly, we were saying that we thought it was a silent picture when it first starts, mm-hmm. and it honestly could have because the dialogue that it, that exists in this film does absolutely nothing to give anybody any character. Mm-hmm, exactly. No, there's no personality. Everyone None. reads their lines. Yeah. Everyone reads their lines like they're reading it off the back of a book, yes. you know, a piece of paper or something. Well, the one guy it, at the beginning who says, but don't you, like, isn't it more important to be intelligent than physically strong if you're going to be a doctor? I think he's the only person in the entire movie, and that's literally his line, and that's it, that yeah. has any kind of uh, inflection in his tone or anything. <laughs> 
Yeah, and many people, when they do speak with some dialogue, it's kind of like real people don't talk like that. No. It's, they just don't, it's like there's no contractions. Yes. And they, the way they speak is very, well, frankly, it's, you know, off a cue card. They're, they just memorize something. And then they're just, yeah, very robotic. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Not the, Uh, maybe that's what drugs will do. I don't know. I don't know either. <laughs> <laughs> Holy cow. Yeah. So I guess now, do you have anything else that you want to mention before we rate it? I don't think I have anything. I don't. I, other than other than I'm annoyed that G. Woo makes it out of this without anyone actually going, <laughs> this is your fault. I think I'm just annoyed that G. Woo is in it. <laughs> He's, it's so, you, you can really see why this guy didn't go on to have a strong acting career. It, it's, I, it doesn't matter if the direction is just awful or if the actors are just awful. The, the, how broad the number of people in this movie are that are horrible actors makes me think it's probably a directing problem. But there's, it's not cinemagraphic. It's not interesting to watch. As we mentioned, there are like two shots in it that are actually passed as being artistic and the rest of it is painfully, it's, it's like a play. It's shot like a play. It's very two-dimensional. Um, it's, it's just, there's so much about this that is just pointless <laughs> for lack of a better word you know if if i were going to tell you yeah you want to see how horrible drugs are and how they mess up your life i wouldn't say watch this i'd say watch train spotting you know this is it's pretty much yeah i think i've just said it all and yeah, uh, okay. and i'll lead off with a strong one in ovals it's an awful movie there's no yes. point in watching it unless you're going through a history of drug use in the U.S. or a drug a history of drug use in film, and otherwise, don't bother watching it. <laughs> I'm right there with you, a one, absolutely. Uh, other than, like I said, skip ahead, watch the dope party, just as kind of, just almost kind of, kind of for a laugh. Yeah. But this film has nothing outside of that. No, and it and it really is the only part in the movie where you have people interacting in any interesting way whatsoever. Unfortunately, it is also coupled with a how-to video on drug use. <laughs> yes. So don't watch it with your kids. Definitely don't watch it with anybody that has uh, addiction tendencies. <laughs> no, no. In fact, maybe just don't watch it at all. <laughs> I haven't smoked an opium pipe in 30 years. Oh, what's this film? <laughs> oh, good Lord. Yeah, don't do that, guys. Don't be like, oh, nope. you, you're good. You've been off drugs for the last decade. Let's watch. Don't do that. That's a horrible idea. Please don't do that. Well, I think that is going to finish us off. Uh, I want to thank everyone for listening. If you watch this film uh, and ahead of this podcast, our apologies. Well, I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, doesn't mean we don't want to hear your thoughts on the film. Send those to orphanentertainment at gmail.com or come and join the Facebook group along with everyone else that has joined here lately and let us know what you think. Uh, Lydia, thank you very much for uh, sitting through this film yeah. and talking with it. As always, it was a joy to discuss, even if it wasn't all that much fun to watch. Talking about it was literally, I, I would say, probably 50 times to 100 times more enjoyable than watching it. Yes. Yes, it was. <laughs> or more. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I didn't feel bad at all when I kind of get to some of these synopsis and I'm, I got to the, yeah, stuff happens. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't feel bad, didn't it, feel guilty at all. It doesn't deserve more than that. It just doesn't. No. 
All right, that's going to do it. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We will see you in another month. Until then, bye. Bye. And knowing is half the battle. Yeah.